Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. We made it to Friday. Good, bad, and crazy martinis are your reward. Glad you're with us. Your stool awaits. And Jim, let's get to Ron DeSantis. He spends a lot of time in the good martini for a number of reasons. His approach to COVID, regardless of what the liberals and the media said, uh, he's been an extremely popular governor on a number of other fronts, and now he's wading into one of the biggest and most combustible cultural topics of our time, and that is critical race theory. You might remember President Trump scrapped that as part of federal employee training. The Biden administration immediately put it back in. Um, This is a very condensed version of critical race theory. It refers to systemic racism. So you don't have to specifically commit a racist act, but uh, over time, You know, white people have been oppressive and minorities have been oppressed, and therefore you have to understand all that. It's a group mentality rather than an individual mentality, and so you're responsible for the actions of your group rather than yourself. That is not American, and it is not right. And Ron DeSantis is saying that's not going to be part of civics education in the state of Florida. Florida civics curriculum will incorporate foundational concepts with the best materials, and it will expressly exclude unsanctioned narratives like critical race theory and other unsubstantiated theories. Let me be clear, there's no room uh, in our classrooms for things like critical race theory. Teaching kids to hate their country and to hate each other is not worth one red cent of taxpayer money. So we will invest in actual, solid, true curriculum, and we will be a leader in the development and implementation of a world-class civics education. Jim, a lot of folks think this is too hot button of an issue to take it on directly. Good for him for doing so. Good for him for protecting taxpayers. There are much better ways uh, to deal with uh, the divisions that occur in our culture than to uh, foist this upon school kids. And look, you know, we know it's the headline for this is going to be from a lot of usual suspects. Ron DeSantis supports racism in schools. Ron DeSantis isn't willing to stand up against racism. Besides the usual points about this and the the past debates about the uh, New York Times 1619 project and things like that, how quickly that went from uh, kind of an experimental project of the New York Times, and then it was explicitly said, we're going to turn this into a curriculum that we uh, encourage schools to teach. We want to completely alter the way we think of the America's founding. And then once the historians started pushing back and pointing out the errors, they said, well, look, we never intended this to be, this was a theory, this is an idea. We never wanted this to say we were trying to rewrite America's founding, even though that's literally what they said in that opening essay. One of the things that I think is really disturbing, we've seen, it it kind of ties over with our debate about reopening the schools. You really can't have a good public education system without the support of the parents, maybe even like without the consent of the parents. Like the parents are, one, people who are effectively paying for it through their taxes, along with everyone else in society. And they are ultimately one of the customer bases. They are one of the groups that uh, needs to be satisfied. They are the ones who are um, living with the consequences of it, as long as, as well as with the school kids. And you just need parents to buy into this. And you just see this on issue after issue, this attitude of certain educators who believe, by golly, we know best. Our job as educators is to undo all the damage that occurred from parents because parents have the wrong attitudes and they know the wrong things. They're teaching their kids the wrong things. Well, what do you expect is going to happen when you decide, when you have this kind of mentality? 
I, I don't really see any scenario in which you or I or a whole bunch of other people would say, oh, yeah, okay, you brought me around in critical race theory. But if you don't even try, if you don't even attempt to say, parents, here's what we want to teach, here's what we think is uh, the fundamental values we're communicating, here's, here, here's what we think the upside is. If you go into it seeing parents as the enemy, don't be surprised when you get this kind of enormous pushback. Um, and you know, by the way, teachers should not fool themselves into believing that they have an overwhelming support of the public after all the issues we've had with the, try the attempts to reopen the schools. Although I guess you could argue with enough places to start adopting critical race theory, Greg, you will start seeing parents say, oh, no, no, you're right the first time. We should keep the schools closed. <laughs> I think you're exactly right. I, mean, I think parents have a better idea now of what's going on in the schools. But there is an effort underway on a number of fronts to erode the power of parents, both at schools and in culture. We're going to see it as the Equality Act debate heats up in the Senate. Uh, we talked about the ludicrous ad from MSNBC about how kids belong to the collective and not to their parents from years ago. Uh, that is a serious effort on the left and good for Ron DeSantis for pushing back. All right. Well, let's talk about something that is good, and that's the deal you can get from my pillow. You know about the quality of the pillows, but they give the same attention to their towels and sheets. In fact, right now, three Martini Lunch listeners can buy one and get one free on all six-piece towel sets and Giza Dream Sheet sets. My pillow towels have proprietary technology that makes these towels highly absorbent. They're soft to the touch without that lotion-y feel. They have a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. They're washable, they're dryable, and they have seven colors to choose from. The MyPillow Giza Dream bedsheets are made with the world's best cotton, making them ultra-soft and breathable. The sateen weave gives them a luxurious finish and will have you sleeping great. 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee on those also. Washable and dryable with a wide variety of colors and sizes. Visit MyPillow.com to learn more. And right now, again, three Martini Lunch listeners can get all six-piece towel sets and Giza sheets. Buy one, get one free. Just use the promo code MARTINI at checkout or call 800-874-0104. That's MyPillow.com. Code Martini or call 800 874 0104 for buy one, get one free on all six piece towel sets and Giza Dream Sheets. All right, Jim, let's talk about our bad martini. And this one keeps recurring, and I have a feeling we're going to be talking about it more and more as uh, the weeks go on here. The effort to dilute or kill the filibuster is gaining more and more steam among Senate Democrats. Keep in mind, the Republicans have not actually tried to filibuster anything, as far as I know. I mean, I guess you have to cut off debate and that sort of thing, but uh, there is no 60-vote threshold on nominations. So uh, they went to reconciliation on COVID relief, and there's been no legislative filibuster attempt that I'm certainly aware of. Nonetheless, because they desperately want to get this uh, federalizing of elections legislation, uh, the aforementioned Equality Act, uh, immigration, Green New Deal, all these things that they're hoping to cram through here in the next couple of years, they want to create the impression that all of a sudden the filibuster is this horrible thing that's uh, standing in the way of true equality in this country. Uh, the latest person to step out in complete 180-degree difference from his previous position is Martin Heinrich, Democrat of New Mexico. I always like to joke that he's the one who brought the detonators along with Hans Heinrich. Uh, he says the <laughs> filibusters should be abolished or at the very least reformed to force senators to physically hold the floor to extend debate. Too often the filibuster has been used to block our country's continued march toward equality. We must change this. Georgia legislators are attempting to take Sunday voting away. They want to prevent black voters from participating in our elections. Really? 
Let's call this what it is, a racist attempt to steal future elections. We have the legislation to stop this. The For the People Act would restore voting rights to Americans targeted by efforts like those in Georgia. We can't let the filibuster continue to shield structural racism in our country. I cannot support the continued abuse of the filibuster in the United States Senate. Dick Durbin earlier this week, the number two Democrat in the Senate, calling the filibuster a weapon of mass obstruction. So, uh, Jim, basically, they do want to uh, pause Sunday voting in the latest legislation I saw in Georgia, but they're still going to have early voting and they do want voter ID. So if that counts as racist, I don't know, but uh, I don't think so. So this is what the Democrats like to do, paint any opposition to what they want to do as racist. And therefore, even though the Republicans haven't filibustered a thing, we've got to kill it now. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that jumps out at me is that uh, I, I understand if you want to argue, oh, by trying to do this on a Sunday, you're uh, or by eliminating Sunday voting, you're deliberately targeting, you know, church based events and, and Sunday voting and things like, you know, eff- church efforts to, to get out the vote. Fine. I, you know, it's by the way, there's nothing that says that, you know, white evangelical churches that generally you know lean in the Republican direction uh, couldn't do the same thing. And it's kind of this odd thing, perception of, oh, we, we certainly, uh, uh, you know, if, if you find what the other guys are doing to get out the vote troubling to you or something, go out and do the same thing. There's nothing stopping your side from doing the same thing. But anyway, also you're going to have six other days to do the vote to, to, you know, to get to the polls and absentee voting. So I'm not really sure that uh, uh, you're necessarily seeing a dramatically, you know, difference in, in that sort of thing. But the, the, what's really nauseating about this, and it seems to be accelerating is the tra- It's not just like even hypocrisy. It is just how purely situational lawmakers viewpoints on the, the filibuster can be depending on which side of the aisle they're in. And what's fascinating is we're in a 50-50 Senate and nobody see, nobody in the Democrats seems to think they could end up in the minority anytime soon. Patrick Leahy, God forbid, slips on some ice or, or, or Bernie Sanders, for that matter. Lo and behold, you have the, you know, all of a sudden it would be Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell again. Um, this is one of those things where you'd think the experience of all this would teach people, by golly, you, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you as the minority have no ability to influence legislation, no negotiating power, no leverage, and you really can't operate on the assumption that you're... Uh, majority is going to last forever. So if the filibuster was okay when your side was using it, it's okay when the other side is using it. And if you felt like uh, 60 votes was an unreasonable expectation when your side is okay, fine, but then the same thing applies to the opposite party. Nobody wants to seem to do this. And, and we saw those comments from Manchin indicating he's giving some wiggle room now. I don't really like having to rely on him. I don't like the idea uh, of him being the last line of defense. I think he's going to look for a way to try to finesse this. And he could end up having very far-reaching points. And it was just the Wall Street Journal yesterday. Mitch McConnell was telling Democrats, you will regret this. And what's fascinating is they went through this um, not that long ago on the filibustering of judges. And yet, for some reason, Democrats refused to learn this. They have the memory of, a, of an over-caffeinated ferret, and they do not ever seem to recognize that everything that they adopt will change for them. And all of a sudden, all these rules that they thought were perfectly fair when they're in the majority are not gonna, you know, may not feel quite so fair once they're in the minority. But Jim, I want to pass this now. I mean, yeah, this- it's, it's, it's different when we use it. Yeah, you know, fine, whatever. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about ways to improve your business. When running a business, HR issues can kill you. Whether it's wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, And look, HR manager salaries aren't cheap. They cost an average of $70,000 a year. 
The answer, Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E. It was created specifically for small business. And now you can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 per month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day, all for just $99 a month. Now, that's month-to-month, no hidden fees. You can cancel anytime. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance, so let Bambi help and get your free HR audit today. So go to Bambi.com slash martini right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash martini, spelled BAM to the B-E-E dot com slash martini. All right, Jim, let's talk about more uh, about what we talked in yesterday's Crazy Martini, where Jen Psaki at the White House said there was, quote unquote, no question that Trump referring to COVID as the China virus led to hostility towards Asians in this country and now violence in this country. Uh, We explained yesterday how that narrative does not really fit from what we know right now in the Atlanta shootings uh, and the statistics in crimes against Asians overall does not really necessarily fit that. Still, you definitely don't want that to become a problem. Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York City, talking about that yesterday. And so his answer is to get cops. You know, the cops he wanted nothing to do with and largely defunded a few months ago. Yeah, same cops. He wants them to get in your face uh, if you've made somebody uncomfortable, whether you've actually committed a crime or not. Here's how he put it. Uh, I also think even if something is not a criminal case, um, a perpetrator being confronted by the city, whether it's NYPD or another agency, and, and being told that what they've done was very hurtful to another person and, and could if ever repeated, uh, lead to criminal charges. That's another important piece of the puzzle. That's why we need these reports. Jim, I'm trying to imagine Lenny Briscoe going door to door on uh, Law and Order and telling someone that you hurt your neighbor's feelings. Obviously, <laughs> uh, you want tense situations to be de-escalated so they don't lead to something worse. But uh, this idea is uh, nanny statism going to another level, and I'm sure the cops have better things to do. Yeah, and I guess if you had to summarize the uh, Bill de Blasio time as mayor at New York, look, we're never going to forget his murder of a groundhog. Uh, (laughs) I think the definitive image of his time as mayor will be him dancing with his wife alone in Times Square as the NYPD kept all other revelers out uh, out of the Times Square area. Um, I think that was a very good example of how he believed the purpose of government was to allow him and his ones who are close to him to enjoy things that the rest of the public could not. Uh, but I think even greater than all that kind of, you know, this, this is a good example. He says the quiet part out loud um, because it, first of all, at one point he says, well, if you repeat it, it's a crime. Greg, what actions are a crime if they happen twice? Good question. Like, you know, either it's a crime or it isn't. You really can't get, you know, obviously there are cases where cops will give you a break on something. You know, they pull you over for speeding. They give you a warning. Okay, there's a little bit of that stuff. But clearly that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about something, some sort of action, some sort of statement, uh, a sign, something you do that offends someone else. And last I checked, not only is offending someone not a crime in New York City, for much of the city's history, offending someone I thought was a legal requirement. <laughs> uh, New Yorkers were not known for being delicate flowers who could not handle strong disagreement, salty language, 
um, you know, obnoxiousness, edgy, you know, in your face. humor. like this is the thing that made New York, New York. And somewhere along the line, this mentality of, oh, well, you know, if you say and do something that offends someone, well, you know, like literally they want the police to be called and they want the police to talk to you. Now, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Greg. I'm pretty sure New York City still has some crime in it, like violent crime, like crimes. You, have. In fact, there are all these terrible attacks, uh, you know, not just amongst Af- uh, Asian Americans, but like, you know, a violent crime against everybody. You'd think that would be the priority for the cops that Bill de Blasio wants to, um, you know, defund <laughs> and otherwise eliminate. Like you kind of have to pick one, dear friends on the left. Either you can create this certainly, un- I-, I would argue, un-American, certainly this runaway police state in which even things that are not crimes the police are called in to dissuade someone from behaving a certain way like literally guys with badges and guns enforcing social crimes you know enforcing things that are offensive and you know but not actually violations of the law like one of the core concepts going back to like like the magna carta is this idea that if something is going to get you thrown in jail, if something is going to get you fined, if something is going to get you criminal penalties, it really should be written down. It really should not be something that just kind of pops into the cop's head one day and says, oh, you know what? That shouldn't be allowed. You're going downtown, buddy. We're booking you on charges because the charges have to exist in the law. None of this matters to Bill de Blasio. And when in this bizarre case, when you see these DAs who will let people go on, in some cases, some pretty darn serious crimes, because in the name of decriminalization, in the name of criminal justice reform, like they want to create crimes out of things that are not crimes that aren't crimes on the books. And they have crimes on the books that they no longer want to enforce. Guys, even if you want, I think this, all this is a terrible idea. But even if you wanted to do this, we have a process to put laws onto the books and we have a process to take laws off of the books. Maybe you should look into it. But then again, if you've been mayor of New York for a bunch of years, I think you, I would think you'd know about that already. Jim, this is completely unrelated, but it does involve de Blasio. Uh, With all the disgusting details of the Andrew Cuomo scandal, my favorite nugget that has come out of all this is that Andrew Cuomo either has or had a Bill de Blasio dartboard. Uh, So these guys hate each other so much, and we have no regard for either one of them either. So do we need just a steel cage match to watch them finally duke it out? Because de Blasio clearly is licking his chops for... Cuomo to have to leave office, which I don't know if that's going to happen. And de Blasio's obviously a train wreck where everybody wants him out of New York. I think his approval rating's in the 20s. So should we just uh, set up the cage and let him at it? Okay, so de Blasio's bigger, (laughs) but I get the feeling that Cuomo's nastier. (laughs) Oh, that's true. Yeah, uh, de Blasio would clearly have the reach. uh, But if you're... Yeah, that, that might be a different... I don't know. See, the question is, is like, you know, whether he gets really tough and then he backs down out of, you know, <laughs> on the other hand, maybe just mistakes him for a, a, a groundhog, just snaps his neck like a twig. <laughs> Could be. But you're right. Cuomo would be a dirty fighter. But if it's in a steel cage, he wouldn't have his henchmen with him. It'd be um, it'd really be awkward. It's two guys in their 60s. Somebody would eventually just throw their back out while they're circling each other, probably. But uh, <laughs> in the end, uh, both of these guys hopefully will be out of office soon one way or the other. And that will be a good martini uh, when that day happens. But uh, Jim, have a good weekend. Talk to you soon. See you Monday, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We're grateful for those five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Also, remember to get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great weekend, everyone. And please, as Jim said, join us Monday for the next Three Martini Lunch. 
Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit DanaRadio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.